What's up, YA? How you guys doing? You guys ready for the last week of the Blessing Series? I love it. Any chance the rapper fans in the house tonight? Anybody go to his, one of his two shows at Red Rocks? Oh, I'm so jealous. I did not. I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to be jealous, but I am. Well, welcome to young adults. You guys ready for church? All right, very good. Hey, we have a special thing to do really quick. This is our very first time ever doing Facebook Live. Can we give a round of applause to everybody watching right now on Facebook? All right, welcome, guys. Share this, like it, poke us if you want. Do whatever. (laughs) And if this is your first night, really quick, can I see your hands? Be brave. Raise your hands so we can... Okay, welcome. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're here. That's it for small talk. We got to get going. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I can't small talk right now because I need to focus. And so do you. (laughs) All right, that was sufficient time for that. Um, Really quick, guys, before we get going into the the message, I felt just really pressed all day to to say this and address um, maybe a few, maybe a lot of people in this room. Right now, if you're in here and you, like, it's just been one of those weeks for you where you feel like you've completely tanked and failed as a Christian in maybe one way, maybe more than one way. Maybe you feel shame or guilt right now. Maybe you feel like God is mad at you right now and, and he's not gonna give you his presence tonight because you certainly didn't, did not earn it this week and maybe you fell back into a habitual sin or something like that that you felt like you had beaten but it turns out you hadn't and you were back in it this week. Like if that's you and you're here and you feel shame and you feel guilt and you feel condemnation, I just, I want to, I felt like God wanted me to tell you right from the beginning in a lot of ways something to set you free from that tonight right from the very beginning you weren't the one who got yourself saved in the first place and you're not the one who has to keep yourself saved we have Jesus Christ who gives us his perfection and because of him because of what he did on the cross and because of the fact that he walked out of his grave three days later no matter what you sit in this room tonight in your chair right now completely spotless completely perfect with a perfect record and that's what God sees when he looks at you tonight I just want you to know that even if you've been a Christian for a while and you feel like well I know better now I know better and I'm still struggling with a B or C and and this might sound pretty straightforward but it's also wonderful news I want to challenge you tonight get over yourself and accept grace because his grace is bigger than all sin especially your sin I say this all my all the time it's my favorite thing in the world to say you're not better at sinning than he is at saving You're not that good even at saving, even at screwing up, and we now live in an era where dead messiahs stand up and walk out of their tombs, and because of that, you do not have a right to condemn yourself tonight. That's Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and if he doesn't condemn you, then you don't get to condemn you either tonight. Amen? Amen. So you are white as snow. You are white as snow if you're in here and you feel shame. I'm telling you, God wanted me to say this right from the very beginning. I don't hear these things from him all the time. It wasn't an audible voice from him. If it was, I'd probably pee my pants if I heard that. But I I felt God just want me to set you free from that right now because of his blood. You are white as snow in this room tonight. And he wants to meet with you tonight. He wants you to experience his presence tonight in this place. And so, God, I thank you for Thursday nights, and I thank you for this ministry, and I thank you for every soul and every story that is in this room tonight, God. You brought all of us in here tonight for a very, very specific reason, 
God, you wanna meet with every single person in their own individual way. You know the stories in these chairs tonight, God. I don't, but you do, and I pray that you would speak powerfully to every single person in here. I pray that you'd speak to me as well, and I pray that we'd get to experience your life-changing presence, and I pray that you'd light our souls on fire in this place tonight, God. We want your presence, and we want tonight to be for your glory, to make your name famous, God. We love you so much, and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, guys, welcome to the final week of our blessing series. If you have not been here for the past few weeks, let me give you a really quick flyby recap. We, um, we've been in something called the Beatitudes. It's in the very beginning of Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 5. This is the very beginning of the most famous sermon that's ever been given, and it was given by Jesus, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We're specifically looking at... Uh, this word that Jesus decides to use like nine times in nine sentences, right in the very beginning of his sermon, and it's the word blessed. It comes from the Greek word makarios, which is a very weighty, rich word that can kind of translate to like a rich happiness, a rich contentment, a rich joy, or just simply put, a true blessing. Blessed are you, or blessed are you if you grew up in church, right? Or blessed are you if you're awesome. Blessed are you if you're awesome with a Z. I like that. Um, But here, this is Jesus giving us a blueprint for what true blessing in this life looks like, the Beatitudes. So really quick, let's go through them again. This is Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3. Blessed or happy, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you understand that you are dependent on God for absolutely everything at every second of every day. When you know that he's in control and you're not and you're okay with it, blessed are you. Happy are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed heaven, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed or happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And all Jesus is saying right there is, hey, blessed are you when you strive, like when, when everything in your heart just wants to be obedient to God. And these kind of people, they're not obedient to God because they feel like they need to earn something from him or, or earn some kind of approval. They understand that because of Jesus Christ, they already are approved in every kind of way. They already have an unconditional love. And out of that, obedience is just a natural response. And Jesus is saying, hey, man, when that's you, when you strive for righteousness, just to do the right thing, to line your life up with the way I designed the universe to work because I'm a lot more for your happiness than you are. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are you when you're relationally generous, relationally resilient, right? When you can give people the benefit of the doubt, see the best in people, even when those people wrong you and you can forgive them, like you've never met a happy, bitter person, right? You've never met a happy person harboring unforgiveness in their hearts, but you've met a lot of people who have been wronged, but have forgiven those people and are somehow happy. And you ask, why? How is that possible? Well, it's because blessed or happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And then blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesse gave an entire sermon on that one verse last week and just about brought fire down from the rafters. It was crazy. The fire department showed up. It's nuts. If you missed it, go watch it online. An awesome message about Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And as Christians, we have an obligation to be seers of God. Because when you're a seer of God, then you can show God 
to other people. Blessed are those who are peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Those two words, blessed and persecuted, don't really go together in the same sentence very often except for this. Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness. When you're persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then heaven. And then he's going to reiterate that. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so if you ever want to know what Jesus says about what it means to truly find happiness, to truly find the contentment that your soul is desperate for, to truly know what it means to be hashtag blessed according to the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, here you go, right here, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. If you want to know the same kind of happiness and contentment that Bono's talking about in that song, still haven't found what I'm looking for, when he sings, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. He's talking about this happiness and this kind of contentment. And Jesus is saying, I know where it is. I know a guy who can help you out with that. And here's the secret right here. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. That our God is a God who loves to bless his kids. This is how happiness works in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom where everything is backwards. And up is down and left, left is right. And the weak are strong and the last are first. And things like happiness and contentment and being truly hashtag blessed are just as counterintuitive as everything else in the kingdom of heaven. Because we have a God who loves to bless his kids. He loves to bless his children. And that's not prosperity gospel. That's just the Bible. It really is. I know this. I know God wants me to look more like his son this year than I did last year. And our God is a father who has no shortage of blessings with which to bless and lavish upon his kids, if I were to just, to just quote him. He just oftentimes chooses to bless us in different ways than maybe I would choose to bless us if I were God. But I'm not God and neither are you, and thank him for that because I don't know what my soul needs. I can't even remember to floss once a week. How am I supposed to know what my soul needs, right? I can't even make it to the bank before it closes. How am I supposed to know what any of our souls need? I don't. Sometimes I think I do, but I don't know where to find the real happiness outside of God that my soul is craving, and neither does the world, despite the fact that it will claim that it does. Nobody knows except for Jesus, but he's telling us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. Like the world say, and, and here's the thing, it's great to have your beach bod, man. Go get your beach bod on. Absolutely. It's great to, uh, to have money in the bank. It's great to have your dream job. It's great to meet your dream guy or your dream girl. It's great to find your beach, you know, and have your feet in the sand on some tropical island somewhere. It's great to, it's great to have money in the bank. It's great to be healthy. It's great to to, to have your dream family one day. All of those are awesome things. It's great to have a million followers on Instagram. All of those are great. I would even argue those are all of God's common graces that he just allows all of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, to experience because he's just that awesome. But experiencing those things, it's great. But none of those things are God himself. None of those things are him. And so it's great, but it's not truly what you're looking for. And Jesus is revealing to us the secrets of happiness and being truly blessed. And I want to finish this blessing series off tonight with one final kingdom of heaven secret, one final blessing secret that comes from the final portion of this Beatitudes text. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Here we go. Blessed or happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil 
against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. I'm going to read that again. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. He's saying you can be glad now because you understand what is waiting for you then in eternity. You can experience a true happiness and a rich blessing now because you understand eternity and what's waiting for you on the other side of things. Therefore, an eternal perspective makes you happy. It just does. And it makes you much more effective as a Christian. Check out this quote by C.S. Lewis. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next I love that. If you read history, you'll find the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So so those who make the biggest difference in this world are those who think the most about the next world. And I think you could argue just as easily the happiest, the most content, the most fearless, the most at peace and passionate Christians on this planet are those who are thinking the most about what's waiting for them in eternity, all right? Those who are thinking the most about what's waiting for them in eternity. So I have a visual aid tonight. This is a rope right here. We've done this uh, visual aid before. Jesse did it a couple years ago. I think Francis Chan coined it, and so I'd love to take credit for it, but... I can't lie because I'm a pastor and this is a church. So, but we're doing this again because I I just don't think you can have enough eternal perspective. With all my heart, I believe eternal perspective is like the secret sauce to living an effective and passionate and happy and blessed life as a Christian. And so right here I have a rope and I want you to imagine that this rope never ends, okay? It just goes on forever. So it goes under the drum set, out the back door, around the world a couple times, and then to Pluto and back. It doesn't really, in case you're like, wow, where'd you get that? It's a long rope. (laughs) You serious, Clark? To Pluto? They had that rope at Home Depot, but we couldn't afford it. (laughs) It doesn't really. It just goes right there, and then it stops. But just use your divine imaginations for a second. Imagine this rope goes on forever, and now imagine that this rope right here is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You were eternal from the moment that you were born, and that's actually true. Technically, all human beings are immortal. We're all going to live forever somewhere. It's just a matter of where, right? Yolof. You only live forever. You only live once forever. Yolof. We should do a series called Yolof. (laughs) That was a cheap laugh, and you guys are just very generous right now. Okay. So this rope is a timeline of your existence, okay? And imagine this red part right here represents your time on earth in this life. So just a few short years here, and then you just live forever right here, right? A few short years right here, and then you just exist forever for the rest of eternity. And so just imagine for a second that, like, that this is my life, okay? We'll say... Just by the grace of God, I get 80 years to live, right? That'd be awesome. Who hopes they live to 80, right? I do. 80 years to live, okay? So this is me just for fun. So right here is where I was born. Right here is where I got my tonsils out. Right here is where I got my heart broken for the first time in sixth grade. Right here 
right here is where I got saved in college. Right here would be where I fell in love with my wife, Samantha. Yeah. <laughs> right here is where I wrote her 365 love letters. Right here is where I wrote her every day for a year. And then right here is that time when I kissed her in the rainstorm right by the lake behind the house that I built with my bare hands. That's like right there. Right here is where I'm giving this message. Two weeks after that is where we got our first puppy, which we're doing in two weeks, by the way. Thank you. Then right here is where we raised our family. And then towards the end of my life where it was where I start playing golf a lot more than how much I play it right now. And then let's just say at the end of our lives, we're both eight, like I'm 80 and she's 78. I married a younger woman. And uh, we're like missionaries somewhere in Africa. And... I get mauled by a lion, and that's how I die, right? We all have to die. It might as well be a cool way to die. And like while he's killing me, I share Jesus with him. He takes my life. I save his soul, right? This is my imagination. Hebrews 12 says that some people in the great cloud of witnesses shut the mouths of lions, and then some did not. And in that story, I'm the latter. I am the latter of the two. <laughs> and then I... I get killed by a lion, and I, I make the transition from this life right here into the rest of eternity in heaven and on new earth in paradise forever with Jesus. And whenever that happens, don't cry for me. I'll be doing just fine, okay? I promise you. I've never been more positive and more confident about where I'm spending eternity than I am right now. And if you're in here and you're a non-Christian, you might hear that and think, well, that, that's really arrogant. But I promise you, that's actually the foundation of humility because me saying that, my confidence in the fact that I'm going to go to heaven forever one day has nothing to do with me or my abilities to save myself or behave my way there, has everything to do with somebody else, namely Jesus Christ and his ability to save me. Okay, so not arrogance at all. Confidence in eternity, I would argue, is the foundation of humility. And not only does that rhyme, it would make a great sermon one day, but not for tonight. Tonight, I want to ask you this question right here. And trust me, I've been asking myself this all week, okay? So why is it, and let's just be honest, that legitimately all you think about is this red part of this timeline? Like when this is so small compared to the rest of this, right? The Bible teaches, man, this life is like mist on a hot summer's day. This, li this life is like dew on the grass that's here in the morning and gone before lunch is even served, right? Right? And the Bible then goes on to teach that, that how I live here and the way I love here and the people I reach here and the way I serve here affects all of this and what I experience for the rest of eternity. Francis Chan has this quote. I love this. The guy who came up with this awesome visual aid. People accuse me of going overboard, preparing for my first 10 million years in eternity. You just hear the sarcasm behind his voice. In my opinion, people go overboard in worrying about their last 10 years on earth. <laughs> when he was doing this, I saw him uh, do this example, and he said, you know, people accuse me all the time of making decisions that, that seem strange to the rest of the world in my lifetime right now, and they say, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to affect this, 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 and this. And he, he's like, no, you're stupid because the decisions that you make are going to affect all this. And I don't really understand, like, this is real. This is your timeline for your existence. And 99.9% .9 of the time, and I'll be the culprit here, all I think about is this 
this red section right here. But those who make the biggest difference in this red part are the ones who think the most about all of this. Those who find that they're the most blessed in this lifetime are those who dwell on and think on what they have to look forward to for the rest of eternity. And this is why Jesus has the boldness to say, hey, blessed are you when people persecute you because of your faith, because Jesus understands this. This is why James says in James chapter one, brothers and sisters, you can consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because James understands this rope Example, right? He understands what this timeline looks like. This is, why, this is why so many people throughout the generations over the last 2,000 years all over the world have been able to walk through the fire and face persecution and face trials, even death, and still hold on to this peace that transcends understanding and hold on to this happiness and this contentment and this blessing that nobody could steal from them because their hope was not found in here. Their hope was found in here. Their, their perspective was eternal. And I'm not trying to minimize any of the stuff that we experience here, the pain, the trials, the opportunities. All I'm trying to do is maximize this. Not minimize this, but maximize this. And you want this maximized right here, right? Because when your eternity is maximized, you just experience your life right here and right now differently. Marriage in light of eternity is a different experience than marriage when this is all that there is to existence, right? The way that you steward money right here, the way that you steward the opportunity, the opportunity that came up right here and this opportunity right here and the chance to take this risk for the kingdom of heaven right here, the way that you steward those is a different experience in light of the bigger picture. Your boldness around your friends to invite them to church and to tell them about Jesus Christ changes when your perspective of eternity gets bigger and eternal Perspective changes everything, and blessed are you or happy are you when you remember that this timeline right here is real. Blessed are you or happy are you when you remember that that timeline is real. And so not only heaven, but also new earth are waiting for us just around the corner. Just around the corner. And I used to be horrified of eternity. I used to be horrified of this idea of heaven. Aronophobia is a real phobia. It's the fear of heaven. Not the fear of hell, but the fear of heaven. And I used to have that. And I think it comes from this unbiblical, Looney Tunes-esque idea of heaven where we'll spend the rest of eternity as like chubby babies wearing eternal huggies, sitting on fluffy, cl fluffy clouds with harps, singing how great is our God for, the, for like the next 20 billion years, right? And I love how great is our God, and I love Jesus, but that sounds like hell to me. It really does. <laughs> doing that. And thank God that's not what the Bible has to say about eternity at all. And I'm not here tonight to make a theological case for heaven and for new earth. First of all, I'm not smart enough to do that. Second of all, I don't feel like that's what God wants me to do here tonight is to make a theological case about heaven and new earth. I'm simply just here like to make it more tangible for us tonight. That's all I feel like my job is tonight, to make it, to make it, because right now, heaven and new earth, I don't know about you, to me, it's always kind of felt abstract and ethereal and kind of detached and some, and like intangible and just out there somewhere, something that I can't really get my head around or comprehend right now, right? And Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth so that it would feel closer. Heaven is so much closer than you think. Heaven is so much more real than you think. This idea of new earth, it's so much more tangible. It's so much more earthy 
than you think it is. It becomes easier to grasp. And all I want to do is make the case that you should be more excited about it than you are. You should be. Like if you fully understood it, like that Kenny Chesney song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now, right? If you knew what it was truly like, what was really waiting for you, you'd want to go right now. You really would. You'd want to be in eternity right now. Here's a couple of verses. This is 2 Peter 3, 7 and 13. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So that's not saying the present heavens and earth are going to be destroyed. That's saying that evil and sin in the present heavens and earth are going to be destroyed. So this is going to be refined by fire. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So this isn't an evacuation theology where Jesus comes and pulls us out and then he blows everything up, right? It's not an evacuation theology. It's Jesus making the old finally new. This is Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And so long story short, one day when you die, you will temporarily reside in the current heaven until Jesus comes back and it's the resurrection of the dead and he makes all things new and new earth and the new heavens are here. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. So the Bible says the old will be washed away and God will make everything new, including earth and including our bodies, right? So not just the earth, but and we're not going to be like these um, glowing orbs and spirits that just float around and kind of bump into each other up in the clouds for the rest of eternity. When the resurrection of the dead happens and new earth is here, we are going to we are going to receive resurrected bodies and brand new bodies. And if you want to learn more about this, you can go to Revelation chapter one to read all about new earth. If you want to hear about this new resurrected body that you will receive with six-pack abs that never gets sick, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and read more about that. I'm not going to go into that anymore. If you want to learn just more than you could ever want to know about heaven and new earth, Randy Alcorn, A-L-C-O-R-N, wrote a book called Heaven, and it's completely genius. And then a couple years ago, Chad Brugman gave a sermon just called Heaven, all about heaven and new earth in our series that we did called Off the Record, which you can find in the very beginning of 2015 on redrockschurch.com. So if you want to learn more, I'm going to point you in any of those directions. Here's just one quote that I'll do from that book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. The present heaven is a temporary residence where the departed saints live until the return of Christ and our bodily resurrection. The eternal heaven, the new earth, is our true home, the place where we will live forever with our Lord and with one another. And so all of this just helps to build an eternal perspective, and an eternal perspective brings happiness and color to the here and now, to the red zone on that timeline, because we know that one day there's not going to be any more tears, there's not going to be any more pain, there's not going to be any more Oakland Raiders franchise. Um, there's Christians on the team. I'm just saying the franchises. No more cats, no more acne. No more anxiety, no more depression. Only happiness and color. No more tears. When our perspectives are an eternal one, we're completely free through the good seasons as well as the bad seasons. When you understand 
what eternity truly means. And the person who, who understood this more than anybody who ever walked the face of this planet other than Jesus was the Apostle Paul. Okay, the Apostle Paul knew what it was like to experience these blessings and true happiness and true contentment in the good seasons and in the bad. Paul, we talked uh, two weeks ago, he wrote that really famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? I can find contentment in any and every situation through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And um, earlier in Philippians, in that same book, he has another very famous verse, and this is Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. And so I read that, and I'm like, seriously, Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain? Are you serious? Like, you see what an, what an eternal perspective does? This is how Paul was somehow hashtag blessed and somehow happy through the good and through the bad. Matt Chandler jokes that this, this, eternal, this eternal perspective is what made Paul completely untouchable. You could, like, if you hated the gospel, you hated Paul because you could do nothing to shut him up. Like, he'd be preaching about Jesus, and they'd arrest him, and they'd say, Paul, stop preaching about Jesus or we'll kill you. Oh, to die is gain. Nice, man. Awesome. All right, we'll let you live. Oh, to live is Christ. Right on. Thanks, man. All right, we'll throw rocks at you. And beat you. Oh, well, blessed are those who are persecuted. And I don't count suffering in this life as worthy to be compared to the glory that is waiting for me right around the corner. Like, how frustrated would you be? All right, fine, Paul, we'll throw you in jail. You're going straight to jail. All right, well, I'm going to sing songs, convert every single one of your guards while I'm in there. <laughs> and a couple of nights from now when there's an earthquake and angels come to break me out of jail, are you going to stop them? Oh, no, I didn't think so because I'm blessed. <laughs> That's an eternal perspective. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he goes on to say, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which, like, like this is what Paul, he's literally like in like a, like a dilemma just in his own mind of like, do I want to stay on this planet or do I want to die? I really want to die, but I should stay here because it's good for everybody else that I'm here. He's like, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I can't tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to go be with Christ for that is far better. So just to be clear, here's what Paul is saying. The Christian understanding of this timeline right here is exactly what Paul is saying, that I am alive today, breathing today, because that is a gift from God to me. I'm not here because I decided to be, and neither are any of you, right? This is a gift. Life is a gift. Our breath is a very gift from God, and one day that breath is going to be required back from me. And biblically, what that means is I've run my race and I've crossed my finish line. I've fought the good fight of faith. I've toiled and I've labored in this lifetime and now it's time to go to my true home. It's time to go to my true home. So when that happens, do not cry for me because I will be doing what's waiting for me on the other side of things. It's so much better than what I'm experiencing here. And that says a lot because here is awesome. But what's waiting for me there? Paul's literally saying, hey man, better to get out of here. I love you guys. It's better to depart. Right now, better to depart. What's waiting for me? Because right here is awesome, but right here I feel the weight of sin. Right here I feel resistance. Right here I still feel like I'm kind of missing something just a little bit every day. Right here there's physical pain and headaches. 
right here, I try to do the right things all the time, but sometimes I just can't always do the right thing. I try not to do wrong things, but sometimes I just do them and I don't really understand why. I strive to do good. I feel like the world wars against me. I feel this weight of sin. I feel like true contentment and completion is always just like right around the next corner. And that's true of here, but that is not true of there. And don't get me wrong, to, to live here is amazing, and I am blessed beyond what I deserve in every way. To live here is Christ, but to transition onto what's next is gain in ways none of us will understand until we're there. We just won't understand it until we're finally there. And that's what Paul is saying. Better to depart, man. Better to get out of here. And that's not Christianese. He's not writing that because he thinks that's gonna make God happy. He believes that with all of his heart. And when your perspective is eternal, you also begin to live as though your eternity with God has already begun. Like it bridges the gap between the red and the white on that rope. You understand that heaven is closer than you think. You understand that Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven here. He came to bring the kingdom of heaven here, which is why heaven is there, but heaven is also, heaven is also here. It's why through Jesus we can say things like on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, in Denver as it is in heaven, because we are here and because God lives inside of us. And to bring this whole series full circle, like do you want to know the description of the kind of people who have heaven inside of them? A description of the kind of people, like God is not where heaven is. Heaven is where God is. God is what makes heaven heaven, right? And so the fact that we have the living God alive and at work within us means that the kingdom of heaven is wherever God is the king of, wherever Jesus resides on the throne, which is in my heart, which means the kingdom of heaven is in my heart. The kingdom of heaven, if you believe in Jesus, exists in your heart. In a description of the kind of people who have God within them, who have Jesus within them, therefore have heaven within them, a description of the kind of people that God is going to use to usher in the kingdom of heaven to this planet right now is the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the persecuted. These people live the way they live because they know where they're going to go after their short time, their short stay on this planet. So rejoice and be glad now, for great is your reward in heaven. True blessing and rich happiness is yours now because you know what's waiting for you then. And Ben, you can come back to the stage at this time. And I wanted to finish this way, and I hesitated sharing this, and um, not because I believe it's wrong or I question it by any means, but because it's just personal and um this is a journal entry i wanted to read you guys and um i just feel like my job is to make heaven and new earth a little bit more tangible for every single one of us tonight and um i don't read this to make a theological case um at all my desire for you tonight is not to leave smarter but for you to leave here tonight um feeling closer to heaven like, it's good to know things about Jesus. It's more important to know Jesus and to know heaven and to experience heaven in the here and now. And for the past few months, I've, uh, well, for a while now, I, I felt like, and I'm not a guy who gets prophetic visions. That just doesn't really happen to me. But I feel like God's been giving me some visions for a while. And it's all the exact same thing. And to me, it just feels so real. It feels so real. And he's been telling me over the last, like, month or two, he's been saying, hey, 
you might be getting a little glimpse into what new earth is going to be like one day. And that's not me being arrogant enough to say, like, yeah, God's showing me new earth. Like, I think maybe he's just speaking my language. And all God is trying to do is just tell me, like, hey, you should be more excited than you are. You have more to look forward to than you think you do. And so, yeah, here's this journal entry. Dear diary, it doesn't really start with that. I keep seeing myself at Three Arch Beach. It's a private beach in South Laguna in California. It's a small cove surrounded by huge cliffs with million dollar mansions that overlook the Pacific Ocean. It's beautiful and it's special to me because it's where I uh, first told my wife I loved her. And I'm there in this vision with all the people that I love, my wife, my future puppy that's in there, all of my friends, all of my family. And it's usually at dusk as the sun is setting after a day of playing bocce ball in the sand and surfing on these secluded waves. See, God speaking my language in this, okay? And the weather is just perfect. It's not hot, it's not cold. It's almost like there's no temperature in the air at all. And we're sitting around a fire on the beach eating fish tacos and drinking Sprite and laughing and telling stories. And in this vision, Jesus is not physically around the fire with us, but he's there in a very, very real way. He's there. It's almost like I breathe him in with every breath that I take. And there's no secrets in this circle around the fire. There's no jealousy. For the first time in my life, I feel zero need to entertain everybody in the circle or pressure to tell the best joke or the best story. I don't need to prove myself or earn a spot around this fire, and neither does anybody else. We all just belong. I just feel present. Nobody has anywhere else they need to be. Nobody's worried about tomorrow. It seems that everything about me is just completely known to everybody, yet I'm still perfectly loved and accepted all at the same time. I'm not longing for a different day off in the future. I feel no anxiety or stress for the first time in I don't know how long. No chubby babies are playing the harp on clouds. We're literally on the beach, and it's real. I have a real body, my feet are real, and they're covered in real sand. I could be fine never leaving this moment. The idea of this being forever is no longer scary to me. In fact, it's not even a thought, because love and gratitude are literally all I feel. And I'm not yawning. I have no need for a Red Bull because I'm less tired and more alive than I've ever felt. Oh yeah, and one last thing, there's no headaches here either. And uh, yeah, I don't tell you that to make a theological case or speak prophetically over you and say, this is what new earth is like. I think God is speaking my language, but all he's trying to do is say, hey, you have way more to look forward to than you think you do. And I used to think, like, I used to get glimpses of this and think, like, this is real. This is um, in this lifetime. And God, you're trying to tell me that uh, me and my wife and our puppy and all of our friends are supposed to move and live in million-dollar mansions and free arch and start a successful, thriving ministry out there where we can surf and watch the sun go down over the Pacific Ocean every single night and suffer for Jesus Christ and the gospel on the West Coast. I'm in. I can do it. Give me that. I'll fulfill that ministry, Jesus. And in the past couple months, like, I've, I feel like he's been saying three things to me. Number one, he's saying, hey, this is more real than you think it is. Number two, it's also not in this lifetime. 
to live as Christ and to die as gain and what you're seeing is part of the gain. And number three, he's saying it's closer than you think it is. And I'm not making a case for the end times or, that, or saying I'm gonna die soon. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is in light of eternity, looking at that timeline, this life is nothing. Therefore, it's closer than you think it is. And it will be here before you know it. This life is a mist. It's dew on the grass. And I just wanna let you know, heaven is more real than you think it is. And new earth is more real than you could ever comprehend. And it's going to be amazing. You have nothing to fear about eternity if you know Jesus and everything to anticipate. So get your hopes up because at every single moment, at every single moment, you stand on the brink of the most amazing life and the most amazing place that you could not dream even in your wildest dreams. With Jesus, to die truly is gain. And this eternal perspective takes that fear away and blessed are you happy are you with this kind of perspective with this perspective i can let go of feeling the need to like control my future i used to kind of like want to control everything about what i was going to do like a decade from now you know i'd be like i'm going to get all my closest friends everybody i love to go to the same place and we'll we'll plan a church and we'll reach people in one city and i really will be on the beach with them every single night having fish tacos around a fire I want that so bad, and, and recently, I still want that, and maybe that will happen, but God's kind of set me free via this eternal perspective to say, if that happens in this life, or say your worst nightmare a month ago actually happens now, and God splits all of you up, and you don't even get to go next to the ocean, then one day, we really will be there in new earth on that beach with Jesus in paradise, laughing and telling stories about how God used us in two different cities instead of one, or three different cities instead of one, and all the people we got to reach, and all the more people who got to know Jesus and come to heaven because of it. With an eternal perspective, people knowing Jesus and people getting to, to heaven and to new earth is absolutely everything. My comfort, your comfort, no offense, does not matter in light of eternity. People knowing Jesus is what matters in light of eternity. And whatever that's gonna look like in this red part of my life, whatever I have to do, whatever rights I need to lay down or comfort I need to lay down or big grand dreams that I need to lay down for the sake of following Jesus in the here and now for the plan that he has for me on this planet, I wanna do it. I'll forsake all else for Jesus Christ so that people can come to know him and be there with us in heaven one day for the rest of eternity because I don't want anybody missing out on what, what we have waiting for us. The people who did the most in this lifetime are those who think the most, thought the most about the next life. The people who are the happiest, who experience the most blessings in this life are those who are most consumed with eternity. Those who dwell on and think on what's waiting for you on the other side of things. We have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. And so would you guys stand? I'm going to pray for you, but really quick, I want to read one short quote so that we can sing. Because when we sing, when we praise his name through music, heaven just invades earth through our voices. And there's people in here who are feeling guilt and feeling shame. There's people in here who are feeling fear. There's people in here who are feeling pain right now. And so whether that's you or not, 
all of us collectively on behalf of our brothers and sisters in here who are, let's sing and let's make this place heaven on earth for the next 20 minutes via all these worship songs. And think, dwell on, dwell on this right here. Listen to this. Nothing is more often misdiagnosed than our homesickness for heaven. We think that we want sex or drugs or alcohol or a new job or a raise or a doctorate or a spouse or a big screen TV or a new car or a cabin in the woods or a condo in Hawaii. What we really want is the person that we were made for, Jesus, and the place that we were made for, which is heaven. Nothing less can satisfy us than that. And right now, that's what we connect with. So let's pray. God, thank you for heaven. Thank you that you're going to wipe the old away, wash the old, and the old away, and restore everything and refine everything, God, and that we get to live in paradise with you, Jesus, for the rest of eternity. God, for the rest of eternity. And we have nothing to fear, nothing to fear because of the amount of wholeness and completion that we're going to feel the second after we take our final breaths on this planet, God. And so I pray that you would increase every eternal perspective in this room. I pray that with the time that we do have on this planet, that we would use it, not for our comfort, but getting wrapped up in your story to see as many people as we can be there with heaven with us one day, God, and new earth with us one day. God, make heaven real to my friends in this building tonight. Make heaven real to me. Not ethereal, not abstract, not in a galaxy far, far away, but right here and right now. So real and so tangible and so physical, living inside of us, God, as we sing these songs to you. We love you so much and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs>